Children, you're dismissed to Children's Church, I think. Yep. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We're still um, in this segment. We're talking about family matters in this series. We've talked about the purpose of the family. Uh, the beginning, the understanding that God's purpose for the family was the micro example of what civilization, the macro, should look like. We talked about how God created man and woman and the purposes of that, to love each other, to accomplish His glory, to give Him glory and His will. One of them is to be caretakers of this planet. And also, uh, the majority, the first priority is to give Him glory and honor in all that we do. Um, it's also to provide a framework of safety for children to be raised and uh, be taught the admonition and nurture of God and a safe way for them to explore the world and find out their calling in which God has called them to have an impact in this world. We talked about the authority of the family and how that the family is the micro unit, an example of authority and how we're to live under that authority because all authority has been given by God and he given the, He's given the authority to the family to emulate that so we would understand how to operate under that, that authority. Uh, today we're talking about offices and the offices of that uh, unit uh, husbands and wives and children, all of these are offices, but they're also uh, what make up the person head or the people that make up the family unit. So we're going to uh, start reading again in chapter 5. We'll start in verse 21 because we're ta we talked a little bit last week about submission, but submission is not only for the wife. Uh, but it's all for actually for all of us submission we know has two definitions are two different things submit meaning giving way but it also means to bring to in other words when you submit ideas when you submit suggestions when you submit these things this is part of the submitting process as well verse 21 submit to one another out of reverence for Christ when we submit to one another we're doing it what out of reverence to Christ. This is a big point. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. We're submitting to the husbands as to the, as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. Now as to the church, as the church submits to Christ, also the wives submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of this body, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. Everybody say profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect 
her husband. Now, chapter 6 starts with children, and we're going to do that another day. And But children is an office to itself as well. But we're talking about the two offices of the family this morning, husbands and wives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Open our hearts and minds to receive your truth that we may be for you what you've created us to be. We pray this now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, <coughs> excuse me, husbands and wives. As we see this account by Paul in Ephesians, he's talking about the assignments or the offices of husbands and wives. And I, I thought it uh, suitable to note there is a verse and a half that he spends with wives and the next seven or eight verses he spends on husbands and what the husband should do. Husbands, you're the head of the wife, Christ head of the church and the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, also the wives should submit to the husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. Say, love your wives. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he goes on in a litany of things that you should do all the way down to verse 33. And 33, half of that verse is spent on the husbands. And then a little half is spent on the wives and to respect your husbands. <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about love, what love is, and I want to talk a little bit about what respect is because these are the primary functions of the offices of the husband and the wife as it relates to each other. Love. Here's a definition that I found, and I'm going to break out some biblical uh, definitions of love in just a minute, but here's a definition that I ran across this week that I thought was pretty good. There are two aspects of love. Love is when you choose to be at your best when the other person is not at their best. Love is when what you want is never important, but what the other person needs and wants will always be paramount. If you truly love someone, both of these definitions will ring true. If you truly love someone, both of those definitions will be true. We know that love through Scripture is, is encountered in many different forms and di many different ways. But in the relationship of a husband and wife, there are specific ways that it should relate that is primary and only for the marriage. You see, love is experienced by all, but love in certain ways experienced only in this institution of family that we know in the aspect of marriage. There are four different types of love that we find in the Bible that come from the Greek. Because the Greek word, we use the word love, and love just stands for everything. Okay, It's a big, broad brush. But in the Greek, they break it down a little bit more specific to what types of love is present or experienced. All four should be in a marriage, but not all four should be in other relationships. And you'll probably understand that as we go on. As we do marriage counseling and, 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 and I talk to people, I, I love hearing this statement and it's true. It says, I married my best friend. Marriage is a lot about friendship. In the Greek, there's a, there's a love that's called philia, which means a friendship bond. It's a love that is, is, is a friend, your close friend, dear friend. And, and you can have this kind of love with your wife. But you can also have this with other people as well, a brotherly love. You know, we're supposed to be a nation 
of brotherly love. I don't know if we're still remaining that way or not, but I don't know. Philadelphia is called a city of brotherly love. So there is a thing of brotherly love that's healthy to be present in the marriage. And matter of fact, it's probably the starting point of two recognizing they should be together. But it's also shared with other people as friends. There's another kind of love that's called uh, storge. Storge love, which should be present in marriage and also in other relationships as well. Storge love is an empathetic love. Sympathy. In other words, you're going through a hard thing and, and I feel your pain. You know, I feel your agony as you go through this. It's empathetic. And a marriage should have this. This is a love that especially a husband should share with his wife being empathetic for the pain and or from the agony or from the circumstance or from the situation that she may be going through and, and caring. But then again, that passes to all of us as well. Won't you agree? We should be empathetic toward each other. We should have that storge love toward one another. This is characteristic of love. There's a, there's a type of love that we all find very familiar because we've heard it a lot in our churches and we hear it a lot in a lot of different places. It's called agape love. Y'all know what agape love is, right? What is it? There's three people. All you other people, y'all need to come to church a little double time, okay? <clears throat> because if you don't know what agape love is, we haven't been doing a very good job of explaining what God's love is toward us. Agape love is unconditional love. It's also, in, in some realms, called merciful love, okay? It's unconditional, unmerited, unconditional love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We also know that God sent His Son while we were yet still sinners, still sinners, to die on the cross. Unconditional Unconditional love. How many of you are glad that God loves us unconditionally? Amen. I'm telling you, I am. I am conditioned. I am sure. And that should be present in our marriage. There should be an unconditional love that should be present that's not earned. That's not, it's just given because you are my husband or my wife. And that is a love that I'm going to give to you. And then the fourth thing, which is probably not appropriate, it's not probably, it's not appropriate, okay, for any other institution but for the marriage institution, it's called an eros love. Do you all know what eros means? It comes from the root word erotic. What do you think that means? Physical love. Physical love. It's a sexual love, okay. It's sexual love. Everybody say sex. <laughs> You've said sex in church now. Get over it. <clears throat> God created sex. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But the eros love, the sexual intimacy, romantic love, should be shared between man and woman and the family unit in marriage. Now, let me, let me just say this. Uh, eros, romantic love, doesn't always necessarily mean sex. We always take that for granted. This eros love or romantic love leads to and is a part of sex. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's a romantic love. It's a romantic love. And a lot, oftentimes sex happens out of it. Okay. But it's not just about sex. 
Okay? It's about romance. It's, and what does that do? It carries you deeper into a love relationship that cannot be... I mean, it's so deep that nobody else can go there but you and her. Okay? Man and woman and wife. It's deep. It's intimate. It's spiritual. And by the way, do you know that at romantic and eros love, there is no... There is no greater spiritual connection that you can have than having that kind of love toward each other. That's why we say, <clears throat> excuse me, that you don't need to be sleep, sleeping around. Okay? Every time you share an eros love or a connection with somebody, you're sharing a spiritual connection with that person. And you should be very careful with that. Matter of fact, you just shouldn't. It'd be experienced, okay? You should save yourself for that person that God has for you and share that eros love together in the window of what God has designed. That's where you get the best out of life. How many of you know you can do a lot of what you want, but you won't experience the best of what God has to offer you doing it the way you want? But when you do it the way God has designed and what God wants, the window is, is full. Matter of fact, it's pressed down, shaking together, and running over the blessings of God if you just do it His way. Now, what do you say? Well, what, what, what's the hope for me? I mean, I, I didn't do it God's way. Well, you know, there's a lot of things we don't do God's way. But you remember that second one we talked about, or the one right before this one we talked about, the agape love? Unconditional love. God loves you. And here's another thing. Scripture says that He is faithful and just to forgive us. Everybody say forgive. forgive. To forgive us. And when God forgives us, guess what? The windows of opportunity of blessing reopens. And the possibilities are amazing of what God can do when God forgives, God cleans, and God brings into holiness, into righteousness, and to oneness. Four types of love. They're very important. But God says for husbands to love your wife. I do marriage counseling a lot. There's three things that a woman really, really deep down in her heart desires. One is what? Anybody know? Well, to be heard, that's one of them. But they require protection, security, and provision. Most women, these th three things are amazingly important to them. Guess what love does? Love provides every one of those. Love addresses every one of those concerns and cares. When we love somebody, number one, we're going to protect them. When we love somebody, we want to make sure that they're secure. When we love somebody, we're going to provide for them. Love is this thing that helps us and motivates us to go beyond what the expectation is, but reach that inner need, that inner desire. Love is also about communication. It's about talking. It's about hearing. It's about listening. Love. And guess what? Respect and love share a lot of commonalities in definition. Do you know that? But there are nuances of differences that make a whole world of difference. There's nuances of change. Love. Love never fails. 
Love is kind. Love is rude. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Read that text, okay? It tells you all about the characteristics of love. And I'm going to tell you guys, ask yourself, are you living that out? Are you? Because that's the office in which you hold. First is to love your wife. Not your kids. Your kids come second. I know that's blaspheming to some of y'all. But your first ministry is to your wife. Your first ministry is to your wife. When I married her, I told her, I said, my first common goal is for you to be everything that you can be that God has created you to be. I'm for her. Why? Because I love her. I want to make sure that she's being fulfilled and she's accomplishing everything that God has called her to be and do. And I want to facilitate that as much as possible. And let me tell you something. Just because you have the office of the head doesn't mean you're the smartest one. Hello? I know y'all don't know whether to say amen or oh me. You don't know. Because I may be admitting that I'm not the smartest one. Don't you fall for that. <laughs> Has nothing to do with how intelligent someone is. It's the office they hold. And if you're really smart, you'll recognize the gifts in your spouse, wherever they be, and you let them excel in their giftings and their graces. Amen? Okay. Authority is not about being the smartest. Authority is not having all the control. Authority is about loving and blossoming your, your mate and, 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 and providing leadership. Respect says, wives, respect your husbands. Respect is, is a big thing. You know, Aretha Franklin sang about it. That was, that was big, you know, I guess. But men desire and need respect. We just do. I mean, we're just wired that way. Respect is a way of treating or thinking about someone or something. Respect is what you show when you have reverence to someone like a teacher that has done well with you and has imparted wisdom. Respect is preferring others like someone that is older than you and how you address them and how you honor them. Respect is having authority recognized and submitted to with honor and no hesitation. Respect is a big thing. Here's six things that I think would help us to be able to respect your husbands, ladies. First, you need to listen. You need to listen to them, okay? You may be smarter. But you need to let them talk through what they're trying to think out. And then submit, not necessarily give way to what they say, but maybe submit some ideas that will help them in their thought process. Are, are you listening to me? But if you cut them off and you don't allow them to process their thinking and you don't submit ideas that will help develop that into the fullness of maturity, then you're disrespecting. And it's not... A good thing. Listen to them. Let them communicate. Submit, not necessarily by giving way, but submit by giving ideas and letting it fully nurture and mature into something that would be good and great. 
Affirm. The second thing, affirm. We need affirmation. When I married my wife, I told her, she said, what do you need? I said, I need a cheerleader. I need somebody that can rah, rah, rah me when nobody else will. And she goes, well, I ain't a cheerleader. <laughs> and I could tell it. But you know what? She has turned into one of the greatest cheerleaders I've ever had. Isn't that something how love can change the way we think about things and the way we do? Isn't that amazing? She's my greatest cheerleader. I can call her from one campus to the other and tell her how down I am and tell her how I don't feel good anymore and tell her, you know, and, and I'm constantly fighting this physical battle, this thing that's going on and stuff. And she is amazing how she builds me up and encourages me and tells me and prays for me. It's an amazing thing. When I'm discouraged or I'm down, She'll point out to me what God has been doing in our lives and how he's been using us to touch others' lives as well as we see God's work in our own. She's an amazing cheerleader. She affirms me in so many, many ways. Thank you. The third thing. You show respect as we serve each other. We serve one another. Not that you're a slave, not that it's, but service. These acts of kindness. These things, you know, if you go somewhere and you experience agape, <laughs> you'll be just blown away by these acts of service that people will do to help you and to show that love, that unconditional love. Acts of service are a powerful way to respect people and to show that love. Four, just be kind. Can you just be kind? You know, wouldn't it be nice if we had this thing crop up back into our relationships at home that we just don't save for when we go outside in public, but we actually start using manners in our own home? Wouldn't it be wonderful if when you say, you know, I, I was raised on Andy Griffith and the Clampets and all these kind of stuff. And I remember the Darlings going to Andy Griffiths. He was quoting, uh, he, was, he was courting Aunt B one time. And he goes to the, to the table and they were sitting at the table and he wanted some more mashed potatoes. He looked at the bowl and it was empty. You know, he didn't say, Miss B, do we have any more potatoes? I sure would like another helping. He didn't say, would you please pass the other bowl of potatoes? down this way. Thank you very much. He didn't say that. You know what he said? He said, Taters! <laughs> I still think that's so stinking funny. Taters! Because it reminded me a lot of our house in ways, you know. Us boys, and my mother, bless her heart, she tried to teach us manners. I just bless her heart, you know. She would say, no, you can't have any until you say, please. And we go, tater, please. <laughs> no, she'd say, would you please pass the potatoes, please. 
And so we'd say, would you please pass the That's kind of hard to say, isn't it? The potatoes, please. And then we'd pass the potatoes. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we started exampling and actually having manners in our own home where we say thank you. Just thank you. That'd go a long way when somebody gives you something you say thank you. Wouldn't it be nice if we could say please pass the something or would you pass something please. When we started, when we start just being kind to one another, when we start being respectful for one another, it's amazing how things would change. We position ourselves again in the honor and the respectful side, in the love side, instead of automatically, if we're just rude and ill matter, position ourselves for gloom and despair. Manners go a long way. They really do, because they set the tone of what you desire for your home. Matters. It's important. Be kind. Five, be polite. Just be polite. Thank you. You know, one of the things that we do, I, I do specifically uh, for Janet is, is um, I try to honor her, open the doors for her as we go into the house, try to open the car door for her most of the time, you know, just about all the time. And I let her sit before I sit in, in a lot of different ways unless she's serving or doing different things of this nature. But I try to respect her. I try to honor her. I try to love her and build her up. And I try to do that in front of these kids. You know, Austin is an amazing young man, and he loves this woman right here with all his heart. You can just tell it. But you can tell it about how they interact as well, how he talks to her, and how he schedules things to do things with her. And Janet told me the other day, and this kind of blessed me too, he, they were going somewhere, and he says, you know, he does these things with Laura and for Laura because he's seen you do that for me. I'm proud of you. Good job. Be thankful. Be thankful that you have each other. And if you're not, maybe you need to start. Just be thankful. Because that's the only one you got. Develop it. Mature it. I had a friend of mine one time... <clears throat> And I know this is an odd illustration because it's, talk, it's talking about an old truck. He had an old F-150 67 model truck with a 302 V8 engine in it. And I know all you ladies know what I'm talking about. But anyway, this was a nice truck. But it was all, it got it out of the junkyard. Rusted, dilapidated, engine was just all cruddy, wheels was off of it, all kinds of things. He brought it home and I'm going, dude, what in the world are you bringing that piece of junk around here and stuff like that. And he goes, piece of junk? Don't talk to her about like her about that, you know. Because <laughs> this is his baby, you know. He said, man, don't you see that? I said, see what? Boy, she's going to be shiny. It's going to be metallic, baby blue. Going to have some nice chrome rims on it. Going to have these big racer tires on it. Going to have the rake just so-so. And, and going to have the grill replaced. And I'm going to put chrome over that. Going to have chrome bumpers. And, boy, he had it all lined up. And I'm going, whoo I see a pile of junk. 
I don't know about you, but you know what he did? He went to work on that thing. He worked on it. He worked on it. He worked on it. Not only did he work on the outside, but he worked on the inside. He put chrome valve covers. He painted it Ford blue. I had all kinds of stuff on it. I mean, it was stenciled it, everything. It was pretty. It was one of those trucks that you park around the square and raise the hood. It was one of those trucks. And he loved that truck. See, when he first got that truck, it looked like a, a pile of junk, piece of junk. But he saw potential in that truck. And he worked hard to develop it and bring it to its full glory. Our spouses are something that God has given us. And you may see a piece of junk, but I'm going to tell you, there's a shiny F-100 there. <laughs> Raring to run. Raring to glow. And if you'll work diligently investing in each other, y'all will be the kind of people that you can park on the square and raise the hood. <laughs> Don't you want to be a family that's hood raisers? <laughs> Don't you want to have a bunch of children that are hood raisers? I don't know about you, but I do. I work hard at it every day. Do I succeed? Most times. Do I fail? Sometimes. Does God forgive? Yes. But as I apply love and forgiveness to her, she applies respect and affirmation to me, and together we see God do amazing things in and through our lives. So can you. Don't give up on yourselves. Don't give up on the offices that you hold. Don't give up on each other. God's got a plan. He's got a vision. God's got a way for you. He wants the best for you. Don't give up. Never lose hope. Always trust and abide in Him. Know His ways are better than ours. Don't believe the lies of the world. Don't even believe the lies of what your spouse may be in where they are right now. Don't believe their lies. Understand God is faithful and just. Follow Him and serve Him. And He'll give you joy. He'll give you peace. And He'll give you rest. Aren't you glad God loves you? Aren't you glad He's given us a way that we can find love in each other? Let's do it. Let's do it together. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the blessings. We thank you for life and love and all the opportunities that we have to serve you. Lord, may we be faithful as you are faithful to us. Let us work, work in these offices that you have called us to, that we may be called faithful servants, not for our glory, but for your glory. We pray this now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Thanks for watching. We would love for you to connect with us online. On our website, you will find up to date information about everything happening around here. Look for us on Facebook and Instagram. And please download our free app on your smartphone or tablet. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy your friendship experience.